My name's Angelo and welcome to We Want Picks. I'm going to break down the entire UFC Vegas 63 fight card, giving you all of my picks, predictions, and my bets. Before I jump in, head on over to wewantpicks.com and become a premium member. It is only $10 a month. And with that, you get all of our picks, all of our bets the minute we place them. You get all sorts of DraftKings content, like ownership rankings. You get prize picks content, fan duel content, and all sorts of information to help you make money watching these fights. Go to wewantpicks.com. It's only $10 a month. Or below this video, there is a join button. Click that button. You'll see a tier called premium membership. Jump into that. That's $15 a month instead of 10, but that's because YouTube takes a much larger cut. But hop on in there, you'll get the picks, the bets, the DraftKings plays, the FanDuel plays, and all the other information you could ever want to make money watching these fights. And as always, if you want $50 for free, head on over to wewantpicks.com bets, sign up with any one of our betting partners, make a deposit, and I will send you $50 as a thank you. That's wewantpicks.com bets. And we're coming off the heels of UFC 280. It was supposed to be the greatest card of the year, and there were some awesome, awesome fights, right? Piotr Jan, Sean, the fight was amazing until they announced the decision. That was an absolute robbery, and it sucks when that happens because we've got money on these things. It matters very much, but the fight was awesome. Then we get TJ Dillashaw, Aljamain Sterling. You know we love TJ Dillashaw in that fight. Turns out he's got this ridiculous shoulder injury. He was positive it was going to affect him during the fight, and he still fought, and that's just disgusting. Because that screws all of you who paid $75 for the pay-per-view. It screws us who bet money on the fight. Because frankly, we were duped, right? We all place these bets and order these fight cards assuming the fighters are healthy and able to fight. He limped in there, not able to fight, basically just to collect the paycheck. It was embarrassing, it was annoying, and that was very, very frustrating. But UFC 280, all in all, was a very good card. The midday card, so it sort of sucks the energy out of the room. But either way, pretty happy with that. We had some successes. We had some bets that, that hit, and obviously the Piotrion decision screwed up our safety parlay, but I'm trusting it this week. So let's go ahead and jump right in UFC Vegas 63. This is probably not the fight order, but this is how it is listed right now. We got Mark Madsen taking on Grant Dawson. This is a short notice fight, Grant Dawson. Mark Madsen, he's an Olympic Greco wrestler. And previously I said that his striking was not very good, but he's been showing over the last few fights that he can hang. It's improving for sure. And included in, in his last few fights was a three-round decision over Clay Guida where he had zero takedowns whatsoever. He does have a negative striking differential, but he's got a solid chin and very real power. But even though his striking has improved, he is still absolutely a wrestler. And oftentimes, he needs those takedowns to secure the minutes and secure the rounds. Grant Dawson, he's also a grappler. He averages almost four takedowns per fight. Dawson has a great ground gain, and he's absolutely relentless with his pressure. He's got good technical striking, but his clear advantage in almost all of his fights is his wrestling and his grappling he started his career at 145 pounds but he's been holding steady at 155 without any real issues and grant dawson is stepping up on short notice here and that's why this is a tricky fight to break down so this is wrestler versus wrestler mark is going to be by far the more accomplished wrestler but he doesn't always use it right that clay guida fight is a perfect example you could look at that and you could say wow mark Matson's striking has really improved you want a striking match against a pretty good striker 
But I look at that and I say, what's the problem here? Why were you, why didn't you even attempt to wrestle her? Why did you get sucked into your opponent's game plan? So if Mark shows up ready to wrestle, he absolutely wins this fight. Dawson's got a 40% takedown defense and he has been taken down in three of his UFC fights. But Dawson also has takedowns of his own in every single fight. And I'm positive he's going to shoot. If this was a full camp, the pick would probably be Grant Dawson because I know he would shoot first and he could probably end up on top. But with the short notice booking and our past success picking Mark Madsen, I'm going to wait. We're going to see what the weigh-ins look like. We'll go from there. But regardless, the bet on this fight is absolutely going to be Mark Madsen plus three and a half when that drops. He's almost a two to one underdog here. Plus three and a half. It's only with Bet Online, so you can head on over to wewantpicks.com/bets, jump in the Bet Online through our link. I'll go ahead and pay you if you sign up, make a deposit. But plus three and a half means you're buying a round on the judges' scorecard, and I think Mark Madsen can win one round. One, all he needs to do is win one single round, and then if it goes to a decision, whether he wins or loses, you get paid. So uh, that's the bet I'm going to place. we got to wait for those odds to drop. Those drop on Tuesdays. I'm obviously not filming this on Tuesday, so we'll see when that drops what that looks like, and I will probably place that bet. Then we have Clayton Rodriguez taking on Cody Durden. Cody Durden is a wrestler. He throws big looping punches to close the distance, and then he gets a takedown from there. His takedowns are very good, and he chains them together well. His takedown accuracy is just shy of 40%, but he does average more than four takedowns per fight, which is always the telltale sign of a chain wrestler. He's 2-2-1 two, two, and one in the UFC, and he's coming off the absolute destruction of JP Bays, where he knocked him out on his feet around one minute into the fight. Rodriguez is Sounded prospect with a lot of potential. He's very versatile and he mixes in kicks really well. He does have power in his hands, but he throws a lot of those punches from his hips. So they're a bit telegraphed. His takedown defense can definitely use some work, but his takedown offense is pretty solid. He has nice trips from the clinch and almost has a sort of Greco wrestling style. When he's on top, he does a great job of establishing his positions and then striking from there. He's coming off that close loss to CJ Vergara where he had success with the takedowns and he landed more strikes, but he ultimately lost because of the pressure of Vergara. And this is a very close fight. I think Clayton can be a real prospect, and he has shown how well-rounded he is, even in Costa Vergara, right? He looked good. He had phenomenal takedowns early, but the forward pressure and pace of CJ threw him off, and that's exactly how Cody fights. He comes forward. He pressures. He shoots. He strikes. He shoots. He pressures. He just doesn't stop, and we now know he has one-punch KO power in those well, so Clayton was taken down in his contender series fight twice, actually, by somebody who isn't even half the MMA wrestler that Cody is. And I think Cody's going to be able to exploit that. So Cody's going to be my underdog pick here. I, I might money line bet him with these odds. I'm going to keep an eye on that. But I think the, the real way to go here are the take online. So we have a few ways to do that. If you watched our betting video from UFC 280, Prize picks does takedown lines, bet line does takedown lines, and then so does underdog. What we've done is we take the takedown line, we stash together versus all the places that do it, and then we go ahead and give you our preferred pick where it makes most sense. Real quick, Muhammad Makayev was a perfect example. His takedown line was one and a half. I believe it was like four bet online. I forget which one had it the other way around. 
but it's a there's a clear difference between the two of them so it's very easy to say okay I'm going to jump over here. This is where it makes sense to, to bet, to place my money, to do a prop game. So the takedown line is probably what I'm going to do. Bet online's the only sports book on planet Earth that offers takedown lines. And you could just say more or less with bet online and bet real money. It's not a prop game. It's an actual online sports book. So again, we own picks.com slash bets. Jump in through the link and then go from there. And if you make a deposit, I'll go ahead and pay you as a thank you. And obviously, full transparency, it's affiliate links. They pay us, and then we pay you. Instead of just us getting paid and just begging you to do it, we encourage you, we thank you, we share the money because, honestly, we're trying to build a community here, and we're all in this together. We're all trying to get rich together off the backs of these casinos, of these fantasy games, and, and that's why we do this. So we appreciate you, and to show you that, give you a little kickback from our piece. That takes us to Christian Rodriguez. He's taking on Garrett Armfield. Christian Rodriguez, he's a slick striker. He's got solid movement, good speed, very good takedown defense. Passes between 135 and 145, but his only career loss was actually at 145. So it's nice to see him back down at 135. He's not going to be undersized. Rodriguez does have decent takedown defense at 60%, but he has been taken down eight times so far in the UFC. He's coming off a short notice loss, Jonathan Pierce, where he was just undersized and outgrappled. Garrett Armfield is a technical striker who doubles up his jab and he switches his stance really well. He's always winning forward, stays controlled, and doesn't risk. He does a good job kicking the legs before coming up to the head. He can grapple defensively. He has some takedowns, but he doesn't really look for his own takedowns often. But when he does, he's got clean and he works them in well. He's coming off a short-notice UFC debut loss to David Onama where he was taken down and submitted. And this should be a fun fight. And, and you know, most likely be striker versus striker. I think if there's no grappling at all, Armfield can take this win. I think he's a solid underdog in this spot. His striking style is slick. He's got some solid power, but Christian can wrestle. And he even took down Jonathan Pierce twice in that loss, and he threatened with multiple submissions. So this is MMA. I need to go with Christian Rodriguez here for the pick because he has more ways to win, but I'm going to leave him out of parlays. The odds are, you know, people see that Garrett Arnfield's coming off that takedown submission loss, but he's good. Watch the tape. He's actually a pretty good fighter. So while I think Christian Rodriguez is going to win this fight, if it stays striking and he doesn't work in grappling, he could very well lose. Then might be the most interesting fight on the card for me. We got Phil Hawes taking on Roman Delize. Roman Delize is a world champion grappler, world champion, not just good, an actual world champion. And, you know, despite his grappling credentials, he has no problem marching forward, throwing heavy punches, and just getting into a striking war with somebody. He has very real power. We've seen it in the past, but it was really showcased against Kyle Dawkins, where he lit him up in the clinch. Delize is a very well-rounded fighter, but he can get caught up sort of just playing his opponent's game. He can get sucked into what you want to do instead of doing what he wants to do. Phil Hawes is a phenomenal wrestler with a ton of power and explosiveness. His striking continues to improve, and he looks more comfortable each time out. He's coming off that stoppage win over Duran Win, where he landed 126 strikes in Duran's 32. That's four times the amount of strikes landed. He went one for three in takedown attempts, but don't let that fool you because Deron Wynn is a phenomenal wrestler and he's just a short, compact guy who's hard to take down. Phil Hall is a high-level athlete who can win fights striking or grappling, but he does need to protect his chin because he can be chinny and we've seen what clean strike can do to him. 
And when I saw this fight, I raced to bet online. And if you can't tell, that's our preferred sports book here. But I raced to bet online just hoping that Delizze was going to be the favorite so that I could jump all over Phil, but I was wrong, right? The, the, the bookies, you, yeah, you can catch them sleeping sometimes, but not with the more popular guys. So uh, Paws open at a minus 170 favorite. It sits about there right now. And we've had incredible success picking Delizze in the past, including in his last fight where he was an underdog. I just don't see it happening this time, right? Delizze is going to be the better pure BJJ guy, but he needs to get it to the ground for that to matter. And I don't see that happening. Phil has been chinny in the past, which is a legitimate concern here, but he's the more complete fighter, the more athletic fighter, the faster fighter, the stronger fighter, and ultimately the fighter who controls if this is standing or on the ground. That's why I think Phil Hawes wins. We'll see what happens as far as bets are concerned because I do think Phil's chinny and that worries me, but... This might be another price picks bet online sort of takedown game here. We'll see where they set it. If this is a one and a half takedown line, I might like the over, right? Why wouldn't he take down Roman Deliza? Yeah, he's a world champion BJJ guy, but off your back is a different world. And we just saw that when Islam had no issues, no issues with Charles Oliveira on the ground. We have Joseph Holmes taking on Jun Yun Park. Joseph Holmes is a massive 6'4". He's got an 80-inch reach, at, you know, I was going to say advantage, not advantage. He's got an 80-inch reach. He does have a 7-inch reach advantage here, which is pretty meaningful. But the problem is Joseph Holmes doesn't use his reach very well. Not at least with his striking. With his grappling, he does. He's nice and long, and he does use that on the ground. Holmes can be low volume at times, but when he does engage, he likes to stick and move until he can wrap you up and work in a takedown. On the ground, he's a solid brown belt, and he controls pretty well. Doing in the UFC with that loss to Jamie Pickett in a fight where he controlled striking but ultimately gave up two takedowns. He bats back against Alam Amadoski with a knockdown, a takedown, and a submission in the first minute of the first round, which is very impressive. Jun Young Park is a well-rounded fighter with a very nice jab and good gauge control with solid setups and takedowns. He's good everywhere, but dangerous nowhere, meaning he doesn't have the power to KO or submit anybody. He, you know, he, he's going to grind out solid wins, though, and he's going to grind them out over good people like Tafan Chukwi and Marc-Andre Barral. He's got solid striking differential of around 5-4. to four. He averages more than two takedowns per fight. Enough cardio to maintain a pace for a full three rounds. Parks a 2-1 to one favorite here. And I have to imagine that's because of his volume and the potential takedowns with control because he's not really live for a stoppage anywhere in this fight park does have solid wins and has fought the overall better level of competition but let's not forget a lot of people think he lost his last fight right he landed more total strikes but he also gave up three takedowns and a round of control time i do think park gets the win here but these odds seem pretty wild to me the only reason i even like park to get the win is because while holmes is the more dangerous guy his volume is so low and i think park can settle into a rhythm he can pick his shots he can get the takedowns and so parks the pick here this is another let's see what those takedown props look like i'm not going to do a straight money line bet here but uh this may also be a joseph holmes plus three and a half which i mentioned earlier you're just buying around on the judge's scorecard so again i film these videos on sundays and the props don't drop till tuesdays which i know sucks but tuesday nights we go live jacob and myself we break down the fights it's a little more casual we argue and we cover uh, our bets there, which at times have evolved. And then as always, if you're a premium member, so go to wewantpicks.com, 
become a premium member there or click the join button under this video on YouTube. The second we place bets, the very second we place them, we post them on the website, we post them in the Discord, and you will get instant alerts to your phone like, oh, they just grabbed this prop line. And sometimes it matters. Sometimes it doesn't because lines will stay steady, but sometimes it matters because there's a ton of movement. Jacob, for example, he placed a money line bet on Sean O'Malley like three months ago when they first announced it. He got it at like plus 350. That shrunk way down come fight. And while we both think Sean O'Malley lost that fight, those odds were so good, Jacob's like, how could I not? And then it ended up working out for him. So, you know, getting ahead of lines is very important. You get that closing line value. So become a premium member. It's $10 a month. It obviously helps us out tremendously and helps us produce the content, make these videos, and then get you the stuff that you need to win some money watching fights. That takes us to everybody's favorite skinny little dork, Chase Hooper, and he's taking on Steve Garcia. And Chase Hooper is basically the little boy version of Mackenzie Dirt. All BJJ, not much wrestling at all. And I'm just never going to understand how somebody can be so dangerous on the ground, have that be their best path to victory, and just not have the skill set to get it there. He does have very slick BJJ, but only a 27% takedown accuracy. He's actually improved tremendously since two fights ago, but he's got no get-up game if he is taken down. His striking is not very good, but it is definitely improving. He's a young prospect that can have success, but he needs careful matchups. For example, that loss to Steve Peterson was a bad look, and it set him back because Steve isn't particularly good anywhere, but he's got submission defense, and he's just a grizzled guy. Steve Garcia in this matchup was a featherweight for his entire career. He moved to lightweight for the UFC, and now, thankfully, he's back down to his natural weight class in featherweight. He's a solid grappler with good takedowns and decent boxing. He likes to come forward with big strikes to set up that grappling, and his striking is very solid. He has nice movement, big power, and decent speed. He isn't afraid to mix it up, but he can overly expose himself with aggression. And this entire card is loaded with fights that have crazy guys. UFC 280 had a 2-1 to favorite. For the most part, it made sense. We had a bad decision in there. Gamrot didn't do what he was supposed to do. But the rest of it was solid. It made sense on paper. And they actually fought that way. This card is loaded with 2-1 to one favorites. And frankly, I think most of them should be flipped. I like so many underdogs on this card that it's actually scaring me. And I wish I didn't know the odds half the time. And Chase Hooper is a 2-1 to one favorite against a guy who can wrestle, grapple, stay tough, hit hard, just doesn't make sense. This could be the Steve Peterson fight all over again. And I imagine on paper, people see that Steve Garcia lost to, to Luis Pena and think that this is going to be more of the same. But if you watch that fight, it's essentially Garcia charging forward, throwing big, having some success, and then Pena just sort of climbed him like a monkey and just stuck to him like glue. And that was, you know, that was a short notice fight. And even with giving up 14 minutes of control time, Steve never stopped throwing strikes. He never stopped trying to make something happen. And, you know, I'm torn here because I think Chase can win this fight. And I think he's probably going to be my pick, but that's only because I do think he's working on his wrestling. He shot a lot more in his last fight. And if Steve Garcia comes in crazy looking for the knockout, Chase can duck under it, get the takedowns. This is absolutely a no-bet situation. These odds are ludicrous to me. The only bet I would even consider is Chase Hooper inside the distance decision, no action, but he's the favorite here, so that's going to be expensive as hell and probably not worth it, but stay tuned. We'll see when those drop if that, you know, the odds are decent, 
under minus 200. I might do that because Chase is very tough, not, a, not an easy guy to finish, and that's essentially a free bet. But I doubt you'll get those odds when he's basically a 2-1 to favorite as a money line. So we'll see what happens there. And then we have, should be, if he's not a Hall of Famer now, he will be a Hall of Famer. Andre Olofi taking on Marcos Rogerio de Lima. And everyone watching this, you know who Andre Olofsky is at this point. He's a straight-up legend, former champion. I mentioned if he's not a Hall of Famer, he should be and 100% will be. He's one of the most accomplished heavyweights to ever fight in the UFC and to still be fighting in the UFC. He's got very good boxing, pretty good kicks, and lately he's been a decision machine. He's been fighting for over 20 years, and not only does he bring that knowledge into every single fight, he manages to make small improvements as well. And obviously, being 43 years old, the big question will always be from now till he retires, is his chin going to hold up? And that's a tough answer because about five years ago, it didn't. He was getting knocked out all over the place. But lately, it has been holding up. The last few years, he hasn't really had chin issues. He's riding a four-fight decision win streak. But a lot of people think he lost that last fight to Jake Collier. Marcos Rogerio de Lima is a powerful striker with a decent ground game and solid leg kicks. For a heavyweight, he's got solid volume as well. He put up 81 strikes against Blagoy, 166 strikes against Maurice Green. And he's got decent wrestling offense as well at 50%, and he averages more than one takedown per fight. The issue for him is that he gets taken down. He does not fight well off his back at all. He's coming off that decision loss to Blagoy Ivanov, where he landed more total strikes, had the only takedown in the fight, but he did give up a ton of cage control time, and that cost him the fight. Before that, he had an incredible win over Ben Rothwell, where he looked fast, powerful, and just light years ahead of Ben who has been having success in bare knuckles. So Ben, you know, didn't just fall off a cliff and do nothing after that. He's, uh, you know, he's put together some wins after that fight. And that's probably why Rogerio is the favorite in this fight. And I've been picking Andre Arlovsky to win these past few years, and it's paid off handsome. But his last four fights were against the volume strikers with little to no power, who are not very dangerous. And this fight's different. While Arlovsky will be the more dangerous Sorry, will be the more well-rounded fighter. Probably the more technically skilled fighter. He is not going to be as dangerous or as powerful. Andre Lofsky is 43 years old, is better than most at 35 years old, but I do think we're about to see that steep drop-off. Eventually, look at Tom Brady and his season this year, right? Eventually, you look good, you look good, you look good, you're too old, boom. It's a, it's a steep, steep drop-down when you stop looking good. Marco is going to be the pick here. He's got the power. He's got the leg kicks. You know, he's the more dangerous fighter. The problem here, the thing that worries me here is Andre Olofsky has 20 years of fight IQ. He could just hold Marcos against that cage the whole time. He could just come in, hold him against the cage, win the most boring decision that we have seen. And I'm not going to bet this fight. Um, I'm not going to do much with it. Because that is a very real possibility. I have to make a pick. So it's going to be Marcos because, you know, he, he is powerful. He is dangerous. And Andre did not look very good in his last fight. But he's got that veteran savvy. He could work in a takedown. He could work him against the cage and win that way. So no bet here and listen to the words that I'm saying, not just the pick itself. Because I'm saying there is a very real possibility Andre Olofsky wins this fight with a boring veteran savvy decision. And then opening up the main car, we've got... Two sort of untested UFC guys, Josh Freem taking on Trayson Gore. 
Tyson Gore is a heavy-handed come-forward wrestler in his pre-UFC fights. He'd throw big, heavy punches, immediately drop to legs, and he just never stopped doing that. And he's interesting to break down because his pre-UFC and current UFC styles are different. Pre-UFC, as I mentioned, he's throwing three or four punches. He's dropping to the legs. If you stuff him, he comes back up, throws three or four more, and then drops again to the legs. In his current UFC tenure, he's a clean striker. He's got power, solid combinations, but he's gun-shy and he's low-volume. He barely throws anything, and when he does, he doesn't immediately look to shoot after. He's a talented guy, but I do think it's a little early in his career. Josh Freem's a grappler with solid athleticism and sneaky power in his punches. He's coming off a grappling-heavy loss in a short-notice UFC debut. He gave up eight takedowns. Before that, he had success in the LFA with his only loss being to UFC's Gregory Rodriguez. When he can initiate the grappling exchanges, he does very well. He's got cardio, athleticism, and he's well-rounded, but he has no true base in MMA, meaning he wasn't a wrestler or a boxer or a kickboxer. He's just an athletic guy who's improving quickly. And that's why this is a tough pick, right? Because I think if, if Trayson shows up with volume and pressure, he wins this fight. We know he can wrestle. We know he has power in his hands, but we also know he's low volume and he doesn't push that pace. And as much as I want to think he's going to win, and as much as I want to grab him as an underdog, I have to get out of the habit of looking at people, what they have done or could do, and look at what they are doing. Right? I can't go pre-UFC, he did this, but in his last two fights, in the, he hasn't. Well, he hasn't. So he hasn't shown me in the UFC he can push the pace, that he can make that happen. So I've got to go with Josh Freen for the pick here. And even if Josh is taken down, he should be able to get up or sweep, right? He even swept Anthony Hernandez in that fight. And Anthony is a far better grappler than Trayson is. So the pick's going to be Josh. I do think Trayson is a live dog. And if he shows up with the forward pressure and the aggression, he could have a He hasn't. So I, I don't know why I would assume that he would now. Then we have Waldo Cortez Acosta taking on Jared Vera. Cortez Acosta is just a fun heavyweight striker who fights exactly like you would expect a fun heavyweight striker too. He marches forward. He wings wild looping punches, always looking to take your head off. And he's going to feel out the range early. And after a few jabs, after he gets that ridge, he is going to start throwing heat. What he does well, though, is mix in body shots before coming to the head. He doesn't really look for takedowns, but if he ends up on the ground, he does have some pretty good BJJ. And he can create scrambles to either work back up or work his way on top. Jared Vandera is a volume striker who built his pre-UFC career on his grappling. And I feel bad for Jared, right? He's on a four-fight skid, but he's a gamer. He stepped up multiple times for the UFC on short notice. And despite those four losses in a row, he has had some success. He dominated Justin Taffa in a striking match. He had a very close fight with Andre Orlovsky where he actually outstruck Andre 70 to 64. He's coming off that KO loss to Chase which I thought was going to be nail in his cough, but look like he's getting another shot here. He's got a long jab, solid distance control, clean striking in addition to his size and wrestling. He hasn't showcased his wrestling in the UFC, but he does have it in his back pocket, and he will need it in this fight. And I feel like Jared Vandera is live in almost all of his fights. He's a massive guy. He's got the wrestling. And every breakdown, I give him credit for his pre-UFC grappling performances. And I use that as a logical path to victory, but we just haven't seen it here. 
He has one takedown in seven UFC fights, and I have no reason to think he will all of a sudden bust out the grappling. In, in that case, it's a striking match, and while Jared will likely have the volume and could potentially look as good as he did against Taffa, I just see Waldo winning by KO. Chase Sherman was able to connect for a knockout, and Waldo has much more power than Chase Sherman does. I think this is somewhat of a sloppy fight, but I do think Waldo pulls it off. For sure, he should be in your fight knockout king slate if you don't know what that is monkey knife fights daily fantasy dumbass name but it's daily fantasy they have a prop game where you can pick any three fighters on the entire card including people fighting each other and if one of them wins by ko or tko you get paid two wins you get paid even more three wins you get paid a ton it's a ton of fun and it's super flexible so waldo will be in my monkey knife fight knockout kings if you want to check that out go to wewantpicks.com slash mkf they will instantly match your deposit. So if you give them 100, they'll give you 100. If you give them 50, they'll give you 50. And it's not just fights, right? Sunday, football Sunday. Play some football lines. All you do is say more or less. Then we have one of my favorite fighters and, and definitely one of my favorite fighters on this card, Dustin Jacoby, taking on Khalil Roundtree. And Dustin Jacoby's a high-level kickboxer who at one point was ranked second in the world. He does a great job keeping things technical and working your legs. He'll chop down that tree early and then go to the head for the stoppage. He's very technical down with good power and volume. And taking him down might seem, okay, he's such a good striker. Pretty obvious. Let me get him down. But it's not a guarantee. Since 2020, Dustin has been taken down a total of 12 times. Nine of them did come from one single fight with Ayan Kutulaba, and he didn't lose any of those fights. None of them. Even the Kutulaba fight was a draw. That's how good he was on his feet, that the takedowns meant that little. He's coming off that incredible KO win over Da Un Jung, where everyone was worried about Jung's power and not Dustin's. Khalil Lowntree is a Muay Thai striker who has a ton of power, and he is very fast. He was struggling a bit to separate himself from the pack, so about two years ago, he moved to Thailand reinvented his striking, and since then he has had some mixed success. Khalil can knock anyone out on a day as long as he's the one dictating the pace and the pressure. He fights very well going forward, but he does struggle when backing up. He's coming off that KO win over Carl Roberson, where he lost the first round, but he came out like an animal in the second to get that stoppage. And this is striker versus striker matchup. And I love Dustin here. Khalil will likely have the raw power advantage, but Dustin's going to be the far superior striker. In between his UFC stints, Dustin was a professional kickboxer with glory. And as I mentioned, he ranked as high as second in the world. While Khalil is dangerous, Dustin's just going to be on a different level with technique and footwork. I see Dustin working the legs early to like take away Khalil's power and potentially get a late finish. I have a money line bet on Dustin at minus 155. It's early. That line is going to move. Follow that line. I'm telling you. People are going to look at this and be like, oh, striker versus striker. Oh, one is phenomenal and has been undefeated in the UFC since he's come back. And the other one is uh, sort of a mixed bag of success. You got to go Dustin Jacoby here. You got to throw a money line bet on him. I'm very, very confident there. Then we have the co-main event. We have Tim Means taking on Max Green. Tim Means is a gritty, high-volume striker who can work in takedowns if he needs to. He's got tricky striking because of his karate style and his stance switches. 24 of his 32 wins are by stoppage, but unfortunately, so are eight of his 13 losses. Everything about Tim is a mixed bag. 
He wins striking matches. He loses striking matches. He can dominate with wrestling or be dominated by wrestling. And it's hard to put him in one single category or give him one path to victory because he is a pretty well-rounded guy. He's very active, and he has that frustrating style. He's coming off that loss to Kevin Holland, where despite having two takedowns, he was submitted in the second round. Max Griffin is very strong, and he carries that power to his striking. People think he is a striker because of these incredible knockouts, if you go through his highlight reel there. But he's a very solid grappler as well, who averages more than one takedown per fight. He took down Alex Morono four times in a loss, and Elam Imadev six times in a win. His last fight was a close loss to Neil Magny, where he had a knockdown and defended eight of nine takedowns, but he was a step behind in the striking. This is another fight on the card where the two-to-one favorite worries me a bit. I think it should be closer. I think it should be maybe not even, but but pretty close. I do think Max is going to win this fight, and I think he's the more dangerous fighter, but Tim could absolutely march forward and just pour on that volume. He landed 143 strikes against Mike Perry, 126 against Staropoli, and 94 against Nicholas Dalby. And I think Max pulls it off with power, takedown defense, but again, this is way closer than the two-to-one money line that you can get on Max Griffin right now. So I'm going to avoid bets here. Um, Bet Online does have a significant strike prop line. That might be something you could you could take a look at or sprinkle some on Tim because he's going to be the volume guy here, even in a loss. But we'll see when those drop what that looks like. And then we have the main event of the evening. It's a good main event, a tricky main event. We got Calvin Carr or Kate taking on Arnold Allen. Calvin Qatar is a boxer and one of the best boxers in the UFC. He's got power, but most of those come from incredible timing. His hands are always exactly where they need to be, and he cuts angles better than almost everyone. And I'd love to talk about his stats, but the problem is Max Holloway ruined those. And his win has outstruck every single opponent, and he should have a very nice strike differential, but Max just took him up so much that he's still working to flip those. He's coming up that loss to Josh Emmett where he ended more total strikes but ultimately lost because of Josh's power and the damage that he did to Calvin. But if you look only at the stats, I think Calvin lost the fight, so I'm not justifying it. But if you looked only at the stats, he landed more significant strikes and more total strikes, and the wrestling was non-existent. But he just his face was just destroyed because that power got to him. And he's taking on Arnold Allen, who's a very good striker who loves coming forward. He has an upright stance, which helps protect him when he's outside of range. He comes in with solid power, which is great, but he also ends up predictable. He has nice footwork and solid hand speed. He makes takedowns really well and has a few sneaky like we saw in his UFC debut. He has 10 wins in the UFC, and he has been flying under the radar for the most part because of his inactivity. But a win here will definitely get him in the conversation. He's coming off a dominant win over Dan Hook where he stopped him in the first round. This is finally a fight on this card where I agree with the betting odds. I agree with the line. Calvin Qatar is a slight favorite, and I understand it. He's fought the higher level of competition, and he's one of, more of, the, you know, one of the most complete fighters in the division. The way you beat Calvin is forward pressure and volume. That's how Zabit did it. That's how Max did it. That's how Josh Emmett basically did it. But with the power, you can't beat him by picking your shots and counter-striking. Giga tried that, and Calvin outstruck him handily to take a five-round, you know, 5-0 decision. He won all those rounds. Arnold is a great striker, and at times he does come pressuring forward, but more often than not, he's a counter-striker. And I think 
car is going to settle into a rhythm and just point his two decisions. His takedown defense is incredible. So it's going to be a boxing only match. And, you know, Qatar is going to be the pick here. The price, if if you agree, if you love Calvin here, then you're going to get a great value on him. He's a dog. He's a dog. Josh Emmett lit his face up, but Calvin stayed strong, stayed in that fight, didn't go anywhere. And, you know, Arnold's going to be a little smaller, a little shorter, a little farther away, and Calvin does use that range, does have solid volume, does have the jab. So I think Calvin Qatar wins this. I think it's close. This isn't going to be like how he beat Giga 5-0. It's probably a 3-2 striking decision for Calvin. My fear, though, is that he does wear damage. So jabs and things like that add up, and he looks worse than he actually is. Guys, that's the breakdown. Don't forget, go ahead and become if you want.com. We do have a DraftKings optimizer. A lot of you are here for the picks and the bets, but any of you that play DraftKings and you're here for the fantasy stuff, we have a whole suite of fantasy content and optimizer which will help you build lineups. I had two people message me that they use the optimizer for UFC 280 and they had an optimal lineup. So they made some money. We've had a lot of success in the past with it. $10 a month, you cannot beat that price. And you'll get $50 from me, five months worth of premium membership. And all you need to do is go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign with any one of our betting partners. Make a deposit, and I will send you 50 bucks, Guys, those are the picks. Make sure you let me know in the comments what you think, who you think. Like, subscribe, do all the things. Jacob's quick videos go up on Monday. We do a Tuesday night live stream. Wednesday, Jacob goes live. Thursday, the lock of the video, uh, week video drops. Friday, all of the betting and prop videos drop. And then Saturday, right back here for a Fight Companion content seven days a week. Like, subscribe, do all the things.